You've got this, gonna rock this Ain't nobody gonna stop you from living the life that you choose You're confident, you're fearless Don't question your spirit You're the only one who's gotta walk in your shoes You've got the tools, you're not alone You've always been your baby's home Bring them into the world in your own Bring them into the world in your Hey there, welcome back to the No Fear Home Birth Podcast. Today, I'll be sharing part two of my redemptive home birth VBAC with my daughter, Amelia Grace. If you haven't heard it yet, make sure you tune in to episode five, which is part one, before you get into this episode. I'm your host, Megan R. Cooper, and before we get into Amelia's birth story, I'm going to answer a listener question about the fear of needing an emergency C-section during a home birth. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this week's question. It's from Christina, who writes, I feel like lately I've been hearing about a lot of emergency C-sections. I'm 28 weeks pregnant and having a home birth. Lately, I've been getting intrusive thoughts about everything going wrong, and I kind of started freaking myself out. One of my best friends just had a baby on Sunday, and what was supposed to be a fully unmedicated hospital birth turned into an emergency C-section. This is just one of many stories that I've been hearing about. So thanks for that question, Christina. And before I answer, I'll just give my standard disclaimer that these answers and this podcast in general are for informational and educational purposes only, aren't a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice, and don't constitute a provider-patient or coach-client relationship. Also, this is just my take as one home birth professional, and I hope you'll seek out other perspectives and consult your own intuition as well. So Christina, you've got a couple things that you said right in your question um, that lead me to believe that you're very self-aware, and that in and of itself is, is one of your very best friends, your biggest assets in your home birth preparation. So I want to applaud you on that. You mentioned that you're getting intrusive thoughts and you've started freaking yourself out. So you already are identifying them in that way. And that, and again, in and of itself is amazing because you're already aware, like these th- thoughts are just that they're intrusive, right? They're not rational. They're not, I'm not saying you're irrational. I'm just saying they're not thoughts that necessarily should have any bearing on on what you do with them, right? Like thoughts are just thoughts until you do something with them. Like you have no control over the thought that comes into your brain. So when an intrusive thought comes in, like you can't control whether you think that or not, but what you get to control is your response to it. Okay. And you've started freaking yourself out, like you said. So what the first thing to do is just think about like what, how how have you been freaking yourself out, right? Like what's been going on? And my guess is that you're putting a lot of uh, energy into thinking about these intrusive thoughts. You're putting a lot of energy into thinking about the exact scenario, the exact outcome that you do not want, right? 
You're giving it so much time, attention, and power. And that is making you feel nervous, scared, give you some anxiety, make you wonder, (laughs) am I going to end up with a C-section? Am I not going to be able to have this home birth that I've been dreaming of, right? And you're getting closer to giving birth. You just entered your third trimester. Now is when I really start to see moms have more anxieties coming up um, about their true ability to give birth and and to start to think about the different scenarios that may may arise uh, most often. Of course, they can happen anytime. It just is very common in the last uh, you know trimester as you get closer to start to worry about these things. So the first thing to do is when you notice one of these intrusive thoughts coming into your mind, you have to stop it right in its tracks, right? And replace it with a positive thought. So rather than giving any weight to the idea of like, what if I were to have an emergency C-section? Take that thought and say, that was her experience. I'm having a home birth. I am going to have a beautiful, empowering, magical, gentle, undisturbed home birth in my home, I'm choosing something beautiful, something amazing for myself, and I'm going to give birth to my baby at home. You may even tell, you may even hold your belly and tell your baby that you are going to be born right here, out of my vagina, into my arms, right here, and start focusing and dwelling and thinking about that. Do some visualization. What is your beautiful birth going to look like? How does it start? How does it progress? What does it actually look like as you are giving birth? Think about specifics. What position are you in? Are you in the birth tub? If you're in the birth tub, again, how are you sitting? Are you hands and knees? Are you laying down? Like what's happening? Who's surrounding? What are you feeling during this time? How do you feel? Right? Do you feel safe, supported, secure, you know, in love with your baby. Like think about these things. All of that is going to help bring you lots of positive feelings and emotions, of course, right? I also want you to give yourself many, many affirmations that are going to help you stay in this positive state of mind, right? Affirm your decision to have a birth at home, okay? And I definitely want you to grab the fear-releasing journal prompts that I've put together and take some quiet time to go through those and really dive into the sphere around emergency C-section. You're going to get some great questions that are going to make you really think and open up and you're going to definitely unlock some... um, a few things that are going to make you just rethink everything. So I definitely want you to grab those. I'm going to link those in the show notes. Um, that's going to be that's going to be a huge thing for you. Okay. Now, I want to touch on the fact that you said this best friend was supposed to have a fully unmedicated hospital birth, turn into emergency C-section, and that is when someone is choosing a hospital versus versus a home birth. There is a much It's very, very different. So I do want you to keep that in mind that the, you know, if you were to look at the research, I haven't pulled out the exact statistics here, but somewhere around, you know, it's less than 10% 
of home births result in a C-section. And in the you know United States, we know that about one third, about thirty three percent of hospital births end in C section. So just just looking at the statistics, um, you have a much higher chance of having a C section if you're in the hospital versus at home, right? So that in and of itself is something to definitely consider. But you also want to. Talk through with your midwife about these concerns about emergency C-section. Um, ask her how often, like if this will help you, you know, you want to like use your own intuition as well. Like if this is going to help you or hurt you. Um, so think about that. But for me, this this would help um, to talk to my midwife about C-section, ask her how often she's had people get C-sections, what the reasons were, what the transfer process looked like, how she knew when it was time to transfer, uh, whether it was a true emergency or if it was, you know, they transferred for a non-emergent reason, like maybe um, like exhaustion or whatever, and they just felt like they needed to get to the hospital and get an epidural and then that ended up resulting in a C-section, or if it was like something was happening like a true emergency where it was like, oh, shoot, we got to get her immediately to the hospital for, to, you know, to help this baby, if it was something like that. So you can gather that information from your midwife and most likely because you've taken the time to choose someone who you trust and you've built this relationship and this safe, um, you know, collaborative care relationship with this provider, this midwife, um, her her answer should comfort you really they should make you feel good um, and safe that you that you understand right and then you can start to think about then you can start to think about everything that you are doing proactively to cultivate this birth experience that you want so the reality is you cannot control the the like you don't really have like a say in how birth is going to go um in in that you can't choose you you can't just say like i'm going to have a vaginal birth and like no with 100% certainty you are right like you could end up with a c section true emergencies do happen sometimes what you can feel you know some solace in is just that you're taking the steps that you need to and want to to try to prevent that type of birth to the best of your ability. So like I said, you're already choosing a home birth. That's already reducing your um, likelihood of having a C-section by like two thirds, right? So that's huge. Um, And then as you're taking time to have these conversations with your midwife, as you're preparing to be able to um, mentally, emotionally, and physically cope during labor, that's going to be huge. That's going to be, you know, putting you in a position where you are able to stay home. You're not feeling like you need to go into the hospital for pain management or for any other reason. And so again, that's putting you more in the driver's seat of your birth and what that's going to look like. When you've got your midwives, you maybe have a doula, you've got your support team surrounding you, you are all set up in that way. You're working on your affirmations, your visualizations, your journaling, your meditating, you're doing all these things. You can feel damn good about that and feel like, okay, I am doing everything I can. And that puts you in this empowered 
position. You're not just saying, okay, let's just like see how this goes. You've done everything you can, okay? And you can feel really good about that. And there is also research that shows that when women who pursue a home birth are more satisfied with their whole birth experience, like dramatically, regardless, this is the key point, so listen back again, <laughs> regardless of the actual birth outcome, which is huge. So even if you end up with a C-section, there's a very, very high chance that you are going to feel like you're part of the decision-making process, that you have done what you can, like I've been talking about, to have the birth that you wanted, and you're going to feel like you're on board and you are part of the decision-making process when it comes to like how this baby is actually born, and you will feel empowered because of that. So that's a pretty cool thing too. So go grab the fear-releasing journal prompts from the show notes And let's get into today's episode. To submit your own question for a chance to have it answered, either here or in my No Fear Home Birth Weekly email series, just follow the link in the show notes. All right, let's get into part two of my home birth VBAC story of Amelia Grace. So if you'll recall from episode five, I had just started to talk about how I had had prodromal labor. Um, at 39 plus six. And I was on my due date, just starting to wonder, is this going to be prodromal labor for the next several weeks? Is something going to happen? Like, where are we at here? It was about 11 in the morning on my 40, you know, at 40 weeks. And I recorded this little video for my for my baby. I'd done this like vlog basically for the baby throughout my whole pregnancy. Just talking to baby, telling her how my pregnancy was going, how excited we are to meet you, you know, all these different things. And in that video and at that time, I was really thinking about how baby, you know, that that the baby didn't come the night before. And like, now my contractions were basically gone by 11am. Like what, what was going to happen? Is this prodrome labor? Like all this is running through my head. And just a couple hours later, my parents took Penny. They had no idea. I never told them I was, had the contractions the night before. Um, nothing. Right. Cause again, don't want them to know anything. So they took her just like they had planned for the date night. And I started to get some contractions again, like as soon as she left, but they still weren't regular in any way. And so Brett and I were going back and forth, like, should we still go out? Should we not? Like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, this could just be prodromal labor again. Like, I don't want to just like sit around. Like I could have prodromal labor for two weeks. Like I'm like, let's, let's plan to go out. So we're like getting ready, um, like curling my hair, trying to, you know, get ready to go out. And as it gets closer to us actually leaving, um, it's like 4 35 o'clock. We're going to go for early dinner. Um, I just like, they just seem to be coming more consistently. And I told Brett, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we, I actually don't think we can go out because I can't just like be in labor while we're out 
to dinner um, and it feels like things are are actually happening now. And so I had him go out and pick up some Chipotle and that was an interesting choice, I will say, um, for like my last meal before I gave birth. But whatever, that's what we did. So he brought that home. Um, I kept having contractions. I was very anxious for him to get home by the time like he got there because I was just, I don't know, they were just getting more consistent. I was like, I really think this might be, this might be it. Um, I ate my food and... I knew this time around, I wanted to rest as much as possible. I wanted to do literally the opposite of what I did with my first labor, where I was constantly moving, walking, doing different positions, trying to get labor to progress. Uh, You know, I walked over 15,000 steps while I was in labor with Penny, and that really took a lot out of me, right? I was so, my energy was low after I was in labor for 24 hours, so... (laughs) um, I wanted to preserve as much energy as I could this time around. And so after we ate, Brett and I just went to bed and we just laid, we, we kind of spooned and I just breathed through the contractions and, um, we listened to my hypno babies CD. Um, that was like, I think one of the tracks was about like your first, um, you know, like labor time, your birthing time's about to begin, something like that. So we just listened to that and it was just very calm and really nice and quiet. Um, we kept it dark and I don't know how long we laid there for exactly an hour or two. And things started to come a little faster, stronger. And so I decided we should probably start timing some contractions and just like get an idea of where we're at. Um, and it wasn't long at all that we were timing contractions that we realized like they, we were at pretty much like the five one one, like, um, coming every five minutes, lasting a minute for an hour. And so we called in the doula and the birth photographer and, I, I didn't think we were ready for the midwife to come because um, it still felt like early labor. Like it was definitely picking up, but I knew that there was like a lot more to come type of feeling, I guess. And so we invited the those two over, the doula and the birth photographer. And, um, and then I had Brett just notify the midwife, like she's in labor. We are having these people come. And the midwife said okay, awesome. You know, just let us know as soon as she's ready for us to come or when her water breaks, I think is when she, I think is what she said. Um, or when they start getting stronger. I can't remember exactly, but, (laughs) um, we, I like, as I was getting ready for, um, the doula and birth photographer to arrive, I told Brett, like, I felt like we should be out, in the living room. And this is so funny. Cause like I had spent the last couple of hours, we had spent it in my bed and I, I don't know. I just, I felt like we're receiving guests or receiving people. Like I, we should be in the living room. That's like where we would normally have our guests. Like the bedroom seems so intimate and private. It's like not a place that you normally would have people come in as an adult, or at least I don't, um, typically. And so, 
I, I just felt like we needed to be out in the living room. But that, like in retrospect, that was definitely unnecessary. So we went out there though and I laid down on the couch and I was like, just moving out there was kind of hard. I was trying to find a new position that was good. And as soon as they came in, um, the doula and the birth photographer, I just really felt kind of awkward. I felt like a watched pot kind of. I was worried that my contractions were slowing down and I just started to like really get in my head for a minute. And so I went to the bathroom and I had Brett come in the bathroom with me and I told him like, I feel like my contractions are slowing down. Like I feel like embarrassed. Like I called these people in, like what if this isn't really even it? And my, my doula overheard me and she said, Hey Megan, you know, actually your contractions are coming every four minutes. Um, and they're lasting like, a, you know, 60 to 90 seconds. Like you're right on track, like you're progressing. Um, and that, little reassurance was like everything that I needed. And I knew also at that point, like I need to go back to my bed. My bed was my safe place. My bed felt like my little like cocoon of like love and safety. And, um, I just felt really good and really safe there. And I just knew that's where I needed to go. So we went back to the bed. Things were definitely getting stronger at this point. I tried a few different positions. Like we had a birthing ball up on the bed I tried draping myself over that. Um, I tried laying on my side. Um, and it was really clear within like within an hour of me being back there, like we need to get the the midwives here. I started to go into like active, true active labor at that point. And it, like they needed to come. I started to feel like I need to get this birth pool here and blown up. So my midwives brought the birth pool with them and they blow it up and fill it once they get there. And so I swear if once we called them, it felt like so long until they got there. It wasn't, it was like probably 20, 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, but it felt like hours, I swear. Um, and I was just so ready for that birth tub. So during that time, like as I was waiting for them, like to get through contractions, I did horse lips, which is basically where you like, I'll just do it. That's what you do with your lips. Okay. It helps keep your lips, um, relaxed, your cheeks relaxed and, um, makes your body, then that makes your body relax. If you can keep your hands and your mouth relaxed, you're basically your, your, rest of your body, your vagina, your uterus, whatever, like everything is more relaxed. Okay. And so that's what I would do to like get through these, um, contractions. My doula also like pressed down different acupressure points for me. She did a lot of hip squeezes for me, had my husband do that. I like to hold their hands, um, like one in each hand. Like I really just like did not want to let go of, you know, I always wanted a hand in both of my hands. Um, so I usually, ha I had my doula and my husband pretty much. Um, my birth photographer, I didn't really even notice. She just kind of like blended in seamlessly and just like did her thing, took pictures every once in a while, like wasn't really noticing her at all. And the midwives finally came. I had my midwife, of course, Ingrid, who I've talked about. And then she had an apprentice working with her at the time 
Miranda um, Welch, who's also absolutely amazing, and she works independently now. Um, she's no longer an apprentice, so shout out to her as well. And so I knew they were both going to be coming and both going to be there. And I, it, one of the f- first things that happened is they came in. Um, they really kind of quietly, seamlessly like blended in again. Like they were just there. Like I never heard them get there or anything. Um, and Mit, uh, Ingrid came and she, one of the first things she wanted to do was use the Doppler check on the baby's heart rate. Right. And make sure everything sounded good. Well, before we ever got to labor during prenatal appointments, um, she had talked to me about how sometimes, when, uh, like for a VBAC especially, um, they want, you know, the heart tones to be at a certain rate um, and to sound very reassuring, obviously. Um, and that if they weren't at this certain rate, a lot of times um, she would have this the mom get into this particular position. It was basically like a supported laying down Captain Morgan position like reverse Captain Morgan. And she had like described to me exactly what it would look like, like exactly what we would do if that were to be the case. And um, when she got there, she checked the tones and then she said, you know, I think we should get into this reverse um, Captain Morgan pose. And I just remember thinking like one, I knew exactly what she was talking about. Two, um, I, w- I had a little bit of like this flash of like, oh, shoot, does this mean things are not as they should be? Um, but I couldn't ask that. I couldn't really talk. <laughs> it was just like going through with doing what she says to do. Right. And the third thing I thought was like, oh, fuck, I do not want to move because as soon as I move, I'm going to have another contraction. And I was like just terrified of um like, like I was managing the contractions, but what was hardest was like every time I would try to change positions, that's when it would kind of hurt or, or like be more intense is what I should say. Um, and so (laughs) I got into the position. Um, she checked the baby's heart rate again, not long after. And she said, Oh, well, everything's sounding so good. And so I felt great. Like I felt totally fine and normal. Um, the midwives right away, like after they had checked the heart rate the first time and said, Hey, do you want us to start setting up the birth tub? And I was like, yes, please immediately. Right. Well, they have to blow up the tub, set it up, but then they have to fill it with hot water, which (laughs) this is one part I didn't know ahead of time is that like, we didn't have, we wouldn't have enough hot water coming from our apartment, like, um, sink spigot whatever faucet there you go (laughs) and that they would have to like boil hot water on the stove and add it so it it took them gosh probably a good hour or two I don't even know how long it was a long time to get the pool completely up and ready and to go and once they did um, they had me come out and get into the water I was so excited to get into that warm water like so excited I can't even tell you um I didn't know if I was gonna have give birth in the birth tub or not I kept that 
um, very loose in my mind as far as like where I was going to be giving birth in the home, um, what position I was going to be in because I didn't want to feel disappointed. And also I didn't have a huge preference. I wasn't like, I have, I wasn't like ride or die water birth, um, or opposite. Right. And so I kept that very loose. One of the first things that I remember about getting in that water is one, it felt so good, felt so flipping good and warm and just nice. Um, I've always loved water. I'm like kind of a water baby and it just felt like the perfect place to be. And my midwife apprentice, Miranda, she came over to me and now at this point she had been there for a while, but I hadn't really interacted with her. Um, and she came over, she like gently touched my hand and my shoulder and she's, you know, said Megan and I opened my eyes, looked at her and she said, hi. And just with this big smile on her face, like just hi, like I'm here for you. Like we're here. And that felt really good, really comforting and just really genuine and I don't know. It's just, it's such a different experience. Um, it was such a different experience for me to have these home birth midwives who like really cared, really knew me very well. They're so respectful. They a hundred percent were monitoring and helping keep me and baby safe, but letting us do what we needed to do. And we were the, I was the star. I was the star of the show. (laughs) They weren't. It wasn't their agenda. It was like my birth agenda that was leading the charge. Um, It wasn't them bursting into the hospital room being like, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I'm not even going to introduce myself by my name. You know, like just telling me like what needs to happen. Like it was just so different. Like they just so quietly and seamlessly like arrived, but then like they were there and they held space for me and they Oh God, it was just amazing. And I spent a long time in the tub. I tried a lot of different positions, but I did feel like I couldn't stretch my legs out far enough. I couldn't get them completely straight. And I had like this nerve pain on my left hip going all the way from my hip all the way down to like my ankle. And it was like shooting, especially during contractions. And I was like, why is this happening? And so in the pool, I mean, I tried all the positions. Like I was on hands and knees. I was on my knees draping over the pool. I was sitting back. I was laying back with my feet up, with just my left foot up, with both feet up on the sides. Like I was on my side, like I was all over the place just trying to find like the right position. Um, Every time I would have a contraction, I would just relax as much as I could. I would do horse lips. Um, I would just try to be completely relaxed. Um, I did go through like this phase of like I'd be really hot and then really cold. So I'd be cold and my doula would come and bring like hot washcloths and like put those on me or they'd add hot water to the tub and then I would be like I'd get really hot and so then she would bring like cold ice cold washcloths put them on my forehead try to help me cool down and they get cold so I remember going back and forth with that and I do remember specifically this is like a huge thing that stood out in my mind 
that every time that my doula would come over and like put this washcloth on my forehead, I could smell coffee on her breath. She had really bad coffee breath. Um, and it, it she's drinking coffee cause it's like, you know, two, three in the morning and it like, it totally makes sense. Right. And, um, it was just, I just remember being like, you like, <laughs> like take a mint or something or get your coffee breath away from me. But like in my mind, I was just like silently like yelling about like this, um, coffee issue. <laughs> and she, but I couldn't say it out loud. Like I couldn't talk. I could not speak. I felt like I needed to preserve every ounce of energy I had to go through each birthing wave. I couldn't speak between contractions. And so I never told her that, but it's just a very interesting, um, little piece that I, that I very much remember. After about 90 minutes, um, or a little before that, I had started to wonder, um, like when, cause I've been going through some pretty, pretty strong contractions every couple of minutes at this point, very long. Um, and I was like, when's my water going to break? Like, when's this baby going to come? Like what, what's going on, you know, at this point. Right. So at this point, um, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's probably like three something in the morning. And so I've been in labor for like, what would that be? Like nine, 10, 12, 11, 11 hours. <laughs> if I could do math for like 11 hours. Active labor really started around 11 PM. So it's been like four hours of like really active labor. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, like when's, when's this all going to happen? And I also, I never looked at a clock. I never knew what time it was. And for a lot of the time, like when my labor really kind of started at 4 PM, I was like, it'd be really cool if I had my baby today on her due date or, you know, I didn't know it was a her at the time, but uh, you know, I'd be really excited about that. Right. And, um, I didn't know what time it was, but as labor kept progressing, I was like, there's no way that it's still like before midnight. Like it's gotta be like the morning, like early morning at this point. And so I kind of knew like I passed that time, but I wondered like, how long will this be, (laughs) you know? And with my first birth, I labored for 24 hours before I had the C-section. And so presumably laboring would have continued on. So I knew it might be a really, really long time, but this feels pretty damn intense. Like I feel like things are progressing here. Right. And so I noticed, um, a third midwife come in to the apartment and I didn't have to ask anyone, um, what was going on or anything because again, my midwife had prepared me ahead of time where she said, if things are taking maybe just a little bit longer or, um, seem a little bit more difficult during labor, that type of thing. Um, we will call in another midwife as a backup. Um, if, if there's time, basically, like, basically like if things, I should say it this way, that if things aren't, um, going super fast, we're going to bring in another person. 
is pretty much what it is. Um, because then there's like two fully licensed midwives plus there's the apprentice. Okay. So there's like a lot of people there, um, for baby and mom. And I was always hoping like that this would progress so fast that they couldn't bring in that (laughs) extra midwife. Right. So when she came in again, my mind immediately was like, Oh man, this means it's taking longer than I had hoped. Um, but it was a quick, quickly fleeting thought because I just, I just didn't worry about it. I just was like, okay, well, this is what it is. Right. Um, and they told me, you know, that this other midwife is here now. She's, you know, just to let me know or whatever. And then at, uh, hour and a half in the pool, my, just after my water had broken. So it had finally broken in the tub and my midwife said, I think we should get out and go to the bed bedroom because after 90 minutes in the tub, you are more likely to tear um, like research has shown. And so I I didn't want to tear. So I was like, okay. And I didn't care if I had the baby in the pool. So I'm like, okay, I guess we'll get out and go to the tub. That's totally fine. And by the way, like right before we had gotten out after the water had broken, my midwife had said like maybe you can try to like see what it's like to give a couple pushes and like see how that feels um and I did and like I couldn't I couldn't figure it out I didn't feel like coordinated with it I didn't know what I was doing like everything felt very weird to me um about it and it it was just very odd I had never pushed before either like my first time around I got to eight centimeters so I had never pushed um And by the way, I hadn't had a cervical check at all, ever in pregnancy, ever during labor. I didn't want one unless it was absolutely necessary per the request of my midwife. I wanted things as hands off as possible. And so I didn't know, like I, I had, I was obviously progressing, um, but I didn't know, am I at eight centimeters, 10 centimeters, like five centimeters, like I have no idea, right? So I again, was like terrified about having to get out of the tub because it would mean switching positions, which would inevitably cause like this big contraction. Um, that would be difficult basically. And having to like walk down the hall to my bedroom, like I was just like scared, so scared. Um, but it was a lot more mental, honestly, than, you know, how it actually felt because I remember it not really being near as bad as I thought it was gonna be so we got out um someone I don't recall who carried like a chucks pad under me or maybe gave one to me to like put on kind of like around me as like underwear um because my water had broken so we just want to make sure I wasn't like dripping stuff um like all over the hallways as I went to my room um, to my bed, they put out Chuck's pads on the bed and things like that. And, um, at that point, and I just realized I forgot to mention one thing before I got into the tub, that birth tub, um, an hour and a half prior, um, I actually got really nauseous and I ended up throwing up all that Chipotle that I had eaten. (laughs) 
<laughs> and during that time, I honestly, like, I was hoping, I was obviously hoping I would not throw up during <laughs> my labor. Um, but also as it was happening and just after, I was, I was excited because I was like, this is what happens when you're going into transition. Like this, I already knew, like, this is what happens when your body is doing what it's supposed to be doing and you're getting ready to give birth to a baby. And that, so that was really exciting to me. So that had happened. Um, and everything had been, you know, I, I had a bag to throw up in, but it didn't all get in there. Um, but by the time I came back from the tub, a uh, birth tub, um, everything had been cleaned up. I don't know who did it or how that happened, but everything was clean and they put down um, things for me to like pads for me to be on, things like that on the bed. And again, it took me a little bit of time to get into like a rhythm of like how this was going to work. Um, how was I going to push this baby out? And I, I tried to do some sideline because that's how I felt most comfortable during most of my labor until the tub, right? It was just laying sideline, um, on the bed. But I felt like I couldn't, I felt like it was hard to hold my leg up. Um, I guess I could have asked someone maybe to hold it for me or something, but like I, that felt really hard. And so I, I almost felt like I needed to be pushing against a wall or something to be able to bear down to push the baby out or something. Like, I don't know. It just did not feel right. <laughs> so um, did some pushes in that position, didn't like that. And then this whole time too, I was kind of wondering like, am I supposed to be pushing right now? Like I wasn't necessarily feeling the fetal ejection response that you hear about sometimes. And so I just kind of wasn't really sure, but it also kind of felt like it was probably right. It was probably the right time, I guess. Um, and, and my midwives, they, they weren't telling me what to do at all. You know, they were really letting me lead. Um, and that was what I wanted. That's like exactly what I wanted. So I got onto my hands and knees. Um, and that is when I felt very powerful. And that is when I started to make productive pushes like immediately. And I knew it because I could feel baby moving down. And I started producing these noises, these like low guttural primal <laughs> like noises. And I just knew like, that's, those are the sounds you make when you're pushing out a baby again. And like, I, it wasn't doing these things on purpose. This was just happening. So I was like, oh my gosh, the baby's coming. Like, this is exciting. Um, and you know, like I, it was, it was just crazy, like exciting, a little bit nerve wracking. Like, am I going to be able to push this baby out? But I didn't even have time to think about that. It was like, am I going to be able to do this? And it was like, okay, here we go. Push. <laughs> you know, no one was saying push again. That was just me and my brain. Um, and yeah, I could just feel baby going, going. Eventually, um, I pushed her about 40 minutes total. So eventually I, I felt kind of like the ring of fire and I would like feel my, you know, tissue expanding and then I would feel you know her head kind of go back in and every time it was like this double like part of me was like 
okay, this is exactly what I want because I want to gently stretch the tissue so that I don't tear so that when she comes out, like, you know, I don't tear, everything is stretched. Um, and then the other part of me was like, get this baby out of my body, you know? (laughs) So it's like both of those things were running through my head, like every time. And, um, but honestly, like once I got to that part, I felt the best because I, I knew a hundred percent pushing was my favorite part of the whole labor because I felt productive. I felt like I could do something in control. I'm very a person that likes to be in control um, of the situation. I'm a planner. I'm a doer. I'm whatever. Like I don't, I'm not very good at going with the flow, so to speak. So this was like a perfect part of labor for me because I could control like I could feel like I was doing something. I was pushing this baby out. And when we got to the, you know, the last burning ring of fire, like I gave one final push, this really low, loud, guttural sound, almost like a lion. Like I swear, like roared my baby out and she, and she came out and my, um, midwife apprentice, Miranda kind of like helped guide her onto the bed right between my legs and passed her immediately right up underneath me. Um, so I was kind of on hands and knees. She was like on the bed in front of me and I just, I tried, I had the cord of course still, you know, coming out of my vagina. Uh, placenta was still in my body and I was like, okay, I gotta, I really need to lay down. I'm like, I just finally did this. I gotta lay down all this stuff is happening in my brain so fast. And I'm like, I got to lay down and lay on my back and put this baby on my chest. And, um, and at the same time, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. I just did it. I just had my baby. I just had a baby out of my vagina on my bed, surrounded by people that love and care about me and support me unconditionally. And it, it was the most amazing thing and experience of my life. I just, I, I was in shock and awe. Like I did this and I never even had anyone check to see how many centimeters dilated I was. I trusted myself and my body to do what it needed to do. I trusted my mental and emotional strength to get me through it. And I did it. I did it. And I just kept saying that to my husband. I was like, wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I did it. Oh my gosh you know, just so excited. And after I got to my back, baby laying on my chest, um, and, and the initial like, oh my God, oh my God, um, kind of got out. I realized like, oh, we have to see like if we have a boy or a girl, cause we didn't know. Um, and I lifted her up to see and, and saw <laughs> that she was a girl and told my husband and we were just crying. Like we have another girl. Oh my God. Like we're so happy like so so happy and so excited and you know I just told her I love you so much um I was just I was crying I was smiling I was exhausted (laughs) I was like just this like a whole like ball of emotions like everything it was insane and so cool um pretty soon after baby was born, my husband asked if I wanted something to eat. Um, 
and went and, and got me a popsicle of all things because I couldn't think of anything. They're like, what do you want? And I'm like, okay, next. So in retrospect, next time I would know ahead of time, like what I want for food. Um, because the popsicle was not very satisfying. I was like, get this away from me. <laughs> I don't want a popsicle. I want food. Um, and he ended up making me an egg sandwich again. And that was again, not that great. And so next time, next time <laughs> I'll have something that I actually want. But, um, I had baby, I, you know, didn't have a name yet. Baby on my chest. Um, we tried to do some breastfeeding. She was not very interested in taking the nipple like at all. She did a little bit of suckling, not much. Um, but you know, I wasn't too worried about that. Um, the, what I was, worried about a little bit was the fact that I hadn't birthed the placenta right away. So, um, after coming up on an, like 45, 50 minutes after baby was born, I hadn't birthed the placenta yet. And, um, that is something that needs to happen obviously, but is also like even more of a concern in a VBAC mom. So, I knew that this needed to get out and that like I wasn't done yet. Like I'd birthed my baby, but like I got this placenta out and like we got to quote unquote wrap things up, put a bow on it and call it a day, (laughs) you know, like to finish this out, this whole birth process. And so my midwife um, had the idea that I should go to the, try a position change, get upright and go to sit on the toilet. So I walked to the bathroom my husband held Amelia skin to skin on his chest as we walked with the, you know, with the cord still coming out of my vagina. Um, and my doula held my arm as I walked into the bathroom. Like it was this whole like production. (laughs) I sat down to go to the bathroom. I peed and, um, the, the placenta came out right, like right away really easily. So, the doula, I think, took it out of the toilet or the midwife. I can't remember. Um, I think they rinsed it off. They put it in a bowl. And my husband walked back with Amelia and my doula carried the placenta in the bowl like back to the bed. I got back into the bed. And then at that point, we did the newborn exam right on my bed. Baby was on one side of the bed. I was on the other Um, I never stopped touching her. I just didn't want to be apart from her at all. I held her hand. I had my hand on her chest. Um, she, she was kind of like, we almost formed a T. So I was, you know, laying how you would normally lay on a bed with my head up at the pillow, my feet at the bottom of the bed. And her head was like at my waist. And then her feet were, um, pointing towards, you know, off the bed bed to the side of the bed, if that makes sense. And so we were kind of like in this T position and the exam was happening over there. And I just, she kept looking, she kept cranking her head up and back at me. Um, especially when I would, she would hear my voice and it was, it was just, it was so amazing. The midwife did the exam. She measured the baby's head, how long she was. Brett got to help with a lot of it. Um, she checked, you know, the hip mobility, like she did all the things that you would do. They weighed the baby. Well, before that we had to cut the cord. So the baby was still attached to placenta. We snapped some pictures of that because that was something I wanted. Um, and then I cut the cord, um, beforehand I had like almost instinctually thought like that 
because someone had asked me um who who's gonna cut the cord and I was like started to say Brett and then I was like actually no like what the heck I I grew this baby I birthed this baby I'm gonna birth this baby like I'm gonna be the one to cut the fucking cord like I'm gonna do this like I that's my job and so I did I cut it and then my husband he he trimmed a little bit off so he kind of cut it too um and then they weighed the baby they did all the things you know she was looking great she was eight and a half pounds um Penny had been seven and a half so she was a whole pound bigger and you know, they gave her back to me. They tucked us in. I chatted with my doula and birth photographer and Brett. The four of us chatted um, about the birth and just kind of processed it and recapped. And um, while the midwives were cleaning everything else up and then everybody packed up and left (laughs) to go. They tucked us in and they left three hours after I gave birth. It's about 730 in the morning at that point. And my, we were just, it was just me, Brett and baby in the bed, like left to, to go to sleep. The sun had come out, like it was this new day, but it was time for us to go to sleep. Um, Penny was still at my parents' house. It was just so perfect. Um, we slept on and off then through the day and then, um, we got up and called my parents and I told them like, again, they still didn't know at this point that we were in labor even. And I called and I said, guess what? I was sitting at the coffee table or at the table in the kitchen. I was across from Brett. I was holding Amelia in my arms. She still didn't have a name at that point looking down at her. And I said to them, guess what? They said, what? (laughs) And I said, we had a baby. We had a baby last night. And my parents were like, oh my God, what? Are you serious? Like they had no idea, right? So they were very excited. Um, And that evening they brought Penny home, like maybe around 5 p.m. or something like that. And she, we had her come in to meet Amelia first by herself without my parents. So I had told them this on the phone. Like we just want Penny to meet alone. Just the four of us wanted like have her first meeting and then you guys can come in and meet her. And, um, it was just such a special moment. It was so amazing having her come in and meet her sister and she just didn't really know what to think. Um, she was still little, she's, you know, just over two. So she wasn't talking a whole bunch, but she was just, you know, saying baby, (laughs) you know, and just, it was so sweet. And, um, and one of my favorite things was like, she, like, as soon as she was reunited with me at this time, Penny was still breastfeeding. Um, and she wanted mommy milky is what we called it. And, so she got to have mommy milky but so did amelia and so that was like my first time tandem feeding the two of them which was like really hard with a newborn and a toddler and um, and penny was just like who why does this other person get mommy milky like, what is this her, her she looks so like suspicious and it was just really cute and really funny <laughs> um and yeah that's the That's the story of the birth of Amelia Grace. That's our show. And I want to thank you for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, I'd be so grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. 
If you're struggling with fears, doubts, what ifs, or creeping anxieties, you're definitely going to want to grab my fear-releasing journal prompts. Just go to the show notes to get them. Thank you to everyone that helps make this show happen. The theme song was written and recorded by Jody Good. I'm your host and producer, Megan R. Cooper. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay fearless.